I want you to um, get your sermon notes out, if you would, please. And I think they pointed out to you the Wi-Fi. For those of you that normally use the Wi-Fi feature, it's out because of our storm we had yesterday. But our tech team will fix it later. But um, if it's out, then praise the Lord. You got paper in your hand. Come on, say amen. amen. Good old-fashioned paper. And that's a huh? sermon notes. I want you to um, join me in concluding our study as we get ready for a new study on next week where I'm going to talk about next week the courage to use what you have. Say that with me, please. Come on. The courage to use what you have. All year long, we've been on a journey having courageous conversations. That's the theme for this year. And the, the, the theme question for the year, I try to answer one question a year, and that is, what if you could sit down and have a courageous conversation? What conversation could you have that would change your life? What one conversation, maybe it's about your money, maybe it's about your finances, maybe it's about your marriage, maybe it's about the messy elements in your life, the things that are a little bit out of sync. Once you have that conversation, then you've got to have the courage to make changes. You can't just talk all your life. And once you make those changes, and really for those changes to stick, you've got to have a plan. Everybody say the word plan. A lot of folks talk and get all convicted, but they have no plan. But the plan must link to what you have, not what you want, what you have in your hand. That's how you start changes. If you've got 30 people in your church, you start with 30 people. If you've got four people in your family, you start with the four people. If it's just you, guess what? You start with you. I think it's so important to be clear about how change happens and how it works. And, not, and, and don't ever get confused. Next week we'll pick up on this important piece. And I'll talk about that for four weeks. But I want today to conclude where we are today. I've been talking about the importance of a plan and how that plan needs to involve or start with the home team. Can you say the home team? The home team, the home team is where everything starts. You are never going to fix anything unless you fix your home. And I'm not just talking about where you live. It could be your home church, your community, but your home, your home country. It starts with you. There are four elements, five elements that we talked about in this, in this discussion. There are five ways to help your home team, I said. One is to, first of all, know the right job description. What should you do and what shouldn't you do? I argued that a lot of people, they're doing things that have nothing to do with their job description. Churches in particular think it's their job to train all the kids. It's not true. That it's our job to save everybody. That's not true. Really, it's the job of the families. He said in Deuteronomy 7, he said that the job, uh, six, rather, 6 and 7, that the, that the job of the par parents was to teach their kids as they walk along the way. The job of the parents was to make sure that when you pass by the lake, you talk to them about things that God taught you. Your job description should never, ever be confused. Sometimes schools think it's their job description to do all the educating of kids. I don't believe that. I think parents are just as responsible, if not more. Yeah. Schools are a supplement. Can I say amen? Can I amen? Yeah. Then we talked about the danger of division, how that if you're divided, that you can hurt your home team. And the importance of understanding that a house divided against itself will not stand. Then we talked about forgiveness and how important it is to let things go. You can't hold on to things. 
And then we talked about the importance last week. Pastor Greg was here. Did you enjoy him? Yes. Wasn't he amazing? Yeah, he was. I was on a boat. Say amen. <laughs> the importance of having an expanded mindset, expanding your vision. If you don't try to grow, and this is the danger. Somebody said something to me the other day. It was really interesting. They said, you're 60 years old. Why are you still doing that? So am I supposed to be waiting to die or what? What does that mean? It was said in a good spirit, but it does surprise people when you still have something to talk about. I always, always found this fascinating. Older people always talk about what they used to do. They never talk about what they're doing or what they're going to do. I try to discipline myself to rarely ever talk about what I did, where I used to work, what I used to have. I'm always talking in the present tense or future tense. Because if, you, if you're not careful, if you want to see how awkward this is, Turn your, turn your neck all the way around behind you. Go ahead, try it. It won't go. You didn't even try. Some of you say, you know, you, you got a crook, right? You can't go. God designed you to go this way. That's why your feet face forward. This is a message. Don't try to live back there. It's behind you for a reason. Come on, say, it's behind me, it's behind me. For, a for a reason. What happened to you, what you went through, the divorce, all the things you went through, all that's behind you. Can you say behind me? It's behind you. You need to understand that's behind me. And sometimes when you're talking to people and they're trying to take you back there, you need to just give a hand signal. <laughs> what you do? I'm just fanning and praying. No, no, you don't want to do that. They might think something else. Amen. No. <laughs> Coming up here, it's a job description, division, forgiveness, expansion. We close today with the final thought in this series. If you're ever going to help the home team, not only must you know your job description, you must not be divided, you must forgive each other, and you must have an expansion, my expanded vision. You have to dream of going forward as a family, as a team, but you have to learn to be present. There's nothing like being present. I travel by your standards, I'm sure more than most. And I travel in a broad range of places. From um, Af- I'll be in Africa in a couple few weeks. Um, who cares? Anyway, a bunch of places. At the end of the day, I have to always be conscious that travel doesn't own my life. I have to learn, and I, I've worked hard to practice this, uh, the power of being present. Diane told me early in our marriage she says, you know, I appreciate money, but I really prefer your presence. Now, she likes the money, too. <laughs> Don't get quiet. Come on, say amen. She does not want a broke man. She wants me to work. We talked about that. She won't let me not work. So there's this desire, though, to balance work, entrepreneurship, building businesses, building future opportunities, and being present. It's really important to ask yourself this for this sermon today. One big question. Repeat it with me, please. Say, how present present are you? How present am I? Am I where I need to be? And has my absence hurt the home team? Now, I want you to just think about that. Some of you have a job, a career, but you are always absent. Now, I understand, and I want to say this. I get it. 
You know, I'm a busy guy. I don't say that all the time because I don't like the way it implies in people's mind. They tell me how busy I am. I rarely say it to people because, you know, I'm, it just makes them not want to, you know, they feel like they can't call me or email me. It always shocks people because I gave everybody my email address in the church, right? What's my email address? Pastor at what? Overcomingbyfaith.org. It's really sad if you don't know it by now. Try it again. What is my email address? Pastor at overcomingbyfaith.org. Here's how you remember it. I am the pastor at what church? Or, oh, you're in trouble if you don't know that, right? <laughs> .org, right? And they email me. Uh, we have great conversations. Um, I told them I'll do it as long as I can. And so far, it's been amazing. Make it 100 a month, sometimes 50, four or five a day. depends. And when I answer people, they get scared. It's really you. What do you think? <laughs> it's really big. What's your question? They ask Bible questions. They ask all kinds of stuff. And it, what I've discovered is, you know, they used to call all the time and used to go to an assistant. And, and there's, you know, sometimes there's some routing and some help. I have a team of people to help me. But uh, it is, I, I like people to feel like I'm present. I, I, I think there's something really powerful about feeling like you're here. And there's, 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 a, there's a power in that. And, and I... I just think that's important. So in this culture today, there are three things I want to point out that are really important because the way people define presence has changed. For example, thousands of people will watch this service today. Not today. A thousand will watch it plus today uh, from home. Right now, they're watching from home, and they really think they're in church. They believe they're present. If you tried to tell some of them, matter of fact, I call some of them because I know some people who won't come to church except for special event things. But rarely do they physically come in the building. And they would argue, and I'm not, I'm talking, about, I'm not talking about one person, I'm talking about there, there are lots of them out there right now. I, one, one in particular I know I called, and he's, his whole family right now is watching us. And they watch faithfully, and his kids, they all sit around the computer, about four of them, and, they, and they, they just, this is their church. And they live in another city, they don't live here. So they moved to another city, and this is their church. Now, here, here's the deal. To the average pastor, they're not present because we like to count bodies in the building. One, two, three, four, five. But the reality is that's not the way the world works anymore. People define presence differently now. Watch this. You ready? This is a living experiment. You're going to do me a favor when I ask this question, and you're going to look around the room. You ready? You promise me? Say yes. Yes. Right. How many of you at some point stream? Raise your hand. Look around the room. Isn't that scary? This is their Sunday in church. (laughs) Almost every hand went up. Almost 90 plus percent. Here's the deal. If I'm going to fuss, I got to fuss at you too. People define presence differently. And I have to embrace that. I have to embrace the world we live in. And I cannot fight it. But so I want to be clear, before I go any further, nothing I'm going to say, and I put it in print because I don't want you to accuse me, Sanders, okay? Nothing I'm going to say is to imply that physically going to church or being present is not important. Nothing I'm going to say is to play this down because let me help you. Let me keep moving here. I I simply want to point out that this culture defines being present differently. Nothing we do in this church, listen to this now, can be done if all of us just streamed, there'd be nothing to film. 
Are you with me? Somebody has to show up here in the building. So, so but, but nothing is there. In no way am I implying that uh, physically going to church or being present is not important. I'm not trying to. So nothing I'm going to say beyond this is saying that that's not important. I want you to come. Tell your neighbor, say, please come. Okay, you know, now, now here's the deal. How often should I come? You ready? Here's what the typical, this is again, this is hard to say as a pastor because pastors don't want to say this kind of stuff. They used to fuck, don't say that to your church, Pastor Rick. I said, well, they're already doing it. <laughs> well, you think because you think I say it, that's going to change anything? If you go to church, very few people come every week. And some of you are every weekers. And that's great. I mean, I appreciate that. But that's you know, 25, 30%. They're, but they're not going to come every week. And it's great that you do. I'm an every weeker. Have you noticed that I, right? <laughs> so you better be here every week, right? So I understand that, and I understand the power of that, and it's really valuable. But some, the average person comes about two times a month. One to two. Everybody say one to two. They come one to two times a month. Now, I hope you can join me and become every weaker. But if you're not every weaker, I have to embrace you for your life and the dynamics of your life. But what I like is the fact that you have options. Some of you are Saturday people, and you're here on the Sunday because there's no Saturday service because we had a ton of people, thousands, tons of people here yesterday uh, with this rock fest we had. So we canceled our Saturday service, and so some of you are here from Saturday. But, you know, we got to give people options. And I understand that by doing that, I release people, and I empower people. So let me, if I can, just sort of describe how people see um, things in this culture. Repeat this with me, please. Say, we work differently. We go to school differently. Come on, say, we go to church differently. Those are three things. Now, because I just want to cite and, and give you evidence in your notes, and if you're watching from home, your digital notes, you can click on the link once you download the notes. It's just so cool. If you put the digital version up, you can see, it'll take you to the link where I got these resources. And basically, more Americans, it says, employees are working remotely, and they are going, they're doing so for longer periods, according to a Gallup survey released on Wednesday. Last year, 43% of employed Americans said they spent at least some time working remotely. In our church, we have at least two remote working staff people, and that number will grow. That has been amazing. Sometimes we've had more than that. When storms come, we have a system in place where we all can work remotely. We're real digital here. Everything is in the air. Everything is mobile. When you have to evacuate your city, you got to make it that way. How about they made it there, right? So we can work from a hotel room. We can work from anywhere. Transition, pay all the money, do pay bills, everything. Everything is remote. So it, 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 in my mind, and I love the way he said this, it can be described as the future work. This is, this is how work is going to be. Uh, just a few short years ago, working from home um, may have seemed out of reach across some industries. Today, not so much. In 2015, 23% of employees reported doing some of their work remotely, up from 19% in 2003. Notice it's climbing, 43% now. So you see this trend of people working from home. I'm curious, how many of you work remotely at some point? Raise your hand. You have remote work. Wow. Look at that. Amazing. Notice, secondly, we go to school differently. There are 58 million students in America in 2017 to 2018 year. 
1.6 million of those students were homeschooled. This is up 43,000 students in one year. 43,000 more students were homeschooled. That's an amazing rise. So, come on, say, so we work differently. We go to school differently. And guess what? We go to church differently. It's really amazing. Church attendance has been fragmented for years. And I think one of the challenges is learning how to embrace this and how to work together. But there's nothing, nothing like being present. These tools that we have in our, in our hands are designed to be tools. But there has to be a sense of presence. You can't just go provide for your family and send them money and provide for them through reaching out through FaceTime. At, at some points in your life, you have to create the power of presence. Now, I want to show you what God said about presence in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6 through 8. He says, I will never be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. The Lord your God, he is the one who gives, goes with you. Repeat this with me, please. Come on. He will what? Not leave, nor what? Forsake you. I'm struggling a little bit because God's pushing me because he's not allowing me to have it absolutely one way. Here's what I want to say. Absolutely, everybody's physically in the building. We're connected. That's it. But I'm being forced. Even when I read this verse about God's presence, he's not physically here where you can touch him. But he's here. His presence is here. He's felt. His spirit's here. There is something about understanding that people who are home, people who are not physically in this building, can feel connected and it's our job to connect them. Jesus came and died for us, and he left physically. I think this whole digital age is part of God's prophetic plan. There's, there's, a, there's, a, there's something that churches have to see, and it's, it, it's a struggle for us. Because we are tied to the hands-on-the-person thing. And, and, I, and I get it. And I, when, I get, when I was working on this sermon, I struggled in preparation because I thought, well, what am I trying to say? Because here's what I came to. It's almost like, well, are you saying don't come? Are, are you going to make people who work and travel a lot feel guilty because they can't be to every basketball game? Are you going to make people feel guilty who can't be to every event that the church has on its campuses? Here's what I think is interesting. I struggle with that for days because I understand the world in which I manage. I manage a world that's digital. I manage a world that's physical. It's not perfectly what I would want, but it's the world I live in. Some of you right now, you have jobs, and your job takes you away from your family more than you'd like. Raise your hand if that's true. Raise your hand high, yeah. It takes you away more than you'd like. Sometimes, how many of you have worked more than you, you thought, more than you wish you, let me say it another way, 
you had to go places and not be present, and you really wanted to be present physically, but you couldn't be there. Raise your hand. Don't, that's life. And there's always going to be a percentage of people who are always around. They're always there. And then there's a percentage of people who the dynamics of their life, watch this. How many military people do we have in here? Raise your hand, military people. Yeah. How many of you traveled more than you wanted to travel? Yeah. You, have, you have deployments you just wish you didn't have to go to, but you didn't like going to jail, so you decided to go on deployment. <laughs> there are moments in life, and you see, when you see this, I, I, I travel a lot, and I see guys on planes, women on planes, and they're like, you know, God, I just, just, you know, I got to come here twice a month. I have, to be, I have to be here twice a month. I have to work longer than I want to. I missed this or I missed that. I try to not miss anything. But I've learned that I have to broaden my definitions. But I have to always work despite the distances. I have to work to be present. I have to work to be felt. I have to create an environment that says... I want you to feel that I've never left you and I've never forsaken you. Even if I'm in Brazil, you should not feel like I've left you or I have forsaken you. Now, people who are always around, they don't understand people who can't always be around. You ever had friends who just can't figure out why you can't be around them all the time? You ever had them call you? You're not here. You're not present. I called you. I texted you. You didn't respond for two days. And it's like they think you're standing by the phone waiting for them to text you. I can't always come out to play. That's what I say. I can't always. I, I wish I could. As a matter of fact, let me just say this. For some of you, the reason you can't be successful is because you're always trying to be present in places you can't always be. I get offered to speak, I get offered to do things, I get offered to be a part of committees, I get offered to be on boards, and I say, here's the reason I can't, it's because I can't be present in all of that and still maintain this. If I, if I, if it, I, I figured up the other day, it was so amazing, this morning, if you, if you there's 100, 168 hours in a, in a week, if you worked out three hours a week, that's 1% of you, three hours a week, you could change your life. Three hours. I was laying on the floor stretching this morning. I said, Temple, come on, man. There's no excuse. But if you're trying to be present for this, and you're trying to be present for that, and you're trying to be here, and you're trying to be there, and you're not even, you're not even, you're not even present with yourself. How would you let 168 hours a week go by, and you can't walk one day? That's priorities. It's a value issue. You value yourself less than you do all the other stuff that you do. There's something about being clear. I need to be focused about where I am in my life. And I don't know that I don't know that I um, I've always done that. But God promised me. Let me flow on here. He promised to be present. He promised to be present. I'll never leave you, never forsake you. And I love this statement that Joshua made regarding this subject. Here's what he said in 
Joshua said, verse 7, Moses called Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, be strong and of good courage, for you must go with his people. This is Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 7. So Moses called Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, be strong and of good courage, for you must go with this people to the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall cause them to inherit it. And the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. The Lord is the one who got what? goes before you. Verse, verse 8, the Lord is the one who does what? Goes before you. One more time. The Lord is the one who does what? Goes. He goes before you. He goes with you. He's present. He goes with you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid nor dismay. Every time I, every time I face a moment and God's word comes back to my mind, I feel his presence. Every time I, every time I invest myself in prayer, and I'm facing a challenge, I feel his presence. I feel like he's going with me. He promised it. But Jesus also promised it. Look at John 14, verse 1. I love this verse. He said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I love this. Listen, I go to prepare a place for you. Notice it's all about getting a place ready for you. And, I, and, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will do what? Come again and receive you. Notice this idea of I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to I'm gonna come and receive you to myself. And where I am, there you will be what? Also. Notice the goal in the plan is to create the sense of his presence. Look at verse 16 of chapter 14 of John. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another, notice this, helper, and that he may abide with you forever. And the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. For he dwells with you and will be in you. And I will not leave you orphans, but I will come to you. Now, here's, here's the deal. I like the fact that if I look at my life and I'm really honest, God is always in my darkest moments, in my, in my dumbest moments, <laughs> In my blindest moments, he was always present. Can I get an amen to that? It's amazing that I have made it this far. It's amazing that I have overcome so many obstacles and financial challenges and emotional challenges and and the the, the dynamics of just trying to survive. I mean, sometimes when I walk around here, I remember walking on this property by myself with Diane, and she she found this property. Diane called me and said, I found a piece of property. And I remember walking, building this building, all this stuff, and and I think to myself, it's amazing how God can bring you from here to there. And now I look in front of me, and because I'm so confident that I couldn't have gotten here without his presence, I couldn't have made it this far. That's why I'm, I'm sure I'll be okay going forward. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. So the question is not whether God is, has proven that he's present. The question is, have you proven that you're present? So this is not a God issue. It's a you issue. He's faithful to you. The question is, are you faithful to him? Are you where you need to be? See, rather than get me getting into this little petty argument about whether you're in this church building two or three times a month, or whether I, don't, I want to go past that. Are you where you need to be? For you. For you. You're so busy helping everybody else, you've lost sight of you. People often ask me, they say, what is, what is your greatest priority? Isn't it God and the church? I said, no, it's God, but not the church. How about your family? No, no. 
It's like what they say on the airplane. Put the oxygen on yourself first. Then put it on the people you're flying with. If you, those of you that don't fly, it's a little drill they do, you know. It's a little, little announcement that comes on, and the stewardess stands up and says, in the unlikelihood of an emergency, very unlikely, here's what you do. Oxygen will fall from the ceiling. A little panel, will, a little oxygen mask will come down. And what you do is you put the oxygen on yourself first and then on the people you're with. Here's why. If you put it on them first, and then you pass out, then they go, what happened to you? Then they all fall out, and everybody dies. Can you please do something you probably haven't done in a long time? Lift your hands up high. Come on. High. Say, I am, I am very, very, very important. important. Hands down, people. Come on. Amen. I'm very important. The reason why some churches are unhealthy is because the pastor is not healthy. He's not a happy guy. Happy mama. People say, happy wife, happy life. I don't believe in that. Sorry, I don't. Because if unhappy dude means unhappy wife, it's all going to be messed up. How about happy wife, happy husband, happy life? How about an amen to that? Come on, everybody happy, we all good. There's something about that that liberates you. So here's my question. I really got to end this. Ready? Here you go. Do you promise to be present for your family? I probably should have put for yourself first. Would have been better. Then your family. Next. Then your job. I've got to come to work. I've got to show up here. You've got to stop calling in. <laughs> well, I got sick days. Do you think I give you sick days to act like you're sick? You know you're not sick. <laughs> I think I'm be a sick. You're not sick. You need to get on to work. What's wrong with you? Go to work. Well, I'm going to lose them. Well, thank God. I'd rather lose them than need them. Amen. How about an amen? That's a blessing. You're praying for healing, then lie when you say you're sick. Wait, wait a minute. You pray for healing, right? And then you lie about being sick so you can use your sick days. Yeah, you sick. Wait. You know, there's something about... I'm sorry. I'm getting off on a tangent. That's the boss of me talking. I, we don't have a lot of that here, which is I'm glad about. We don't. We don't. We, our staff is really faithful about coming. But we, what we do is we, we give them time off. So they don't have to lie to be off because we give them a lot of time off. How about an amen to that one? Present for yourself, present for your family, present for your job, present for your community. I've got to be present for the community, but I can't allow the community to make me a staff person. Where I take on all the responsibilities and I'm on all these committees and I'm not, I'm so busy with everything else and I'm not happy busy with me or my church. I can't let them hire me. And, and sometimes it may bother people that I say no but that's because I can do a bit. I loved something I saw here the other day we, at Rockfest. We had 2,200 people here last week for Rockfest, which is our big giveaway for kids, back-to-school thing for kids. We give away uniforms, all the good stuff. It's really cool. And I was coming in yesterday, and I saw the, a bunch of volunteers with our T-shirts leaving. I said, where are you guys going? They said, oh, I served my hour. <laughs> they, they signed them based on what they could serve. Some served an hour, some served 30 minutes, some stayed all dayers. They were all dayers. They stayed all day. And, and I love the fact that there's, there's, there's the, you allow them to choose. Sometimes you overcommit, and you're not present where you need to be. You're present in the wrong place, but it's such a good cause. Yes, but you're dying. Your kids don't know you. 
I don't need to be doing sermons on days that Diane needs my attention. That's why my sermons are done way early in the week. Because I understand the danger, and that's why I teach in series. I, I, I look, and that's why I only teach now once a week. I would never, if I could go back, I would never do Wednesday night service, ever. It's too much work. Are you sounding lazy? Call it what you want. <laughs> Call it what you want. It doesn't bother me anymore. I used to really care about that. Now I'm like, ah, dude, get over it. At some point in your life, you have to be present for yourself, your family, your job, your community, your church, your church, see, your church, your country. We need to pray for our country. Believe for the best. I'm done. I got to end this. Father, I thank you today for all that we said. Some of us have been absent and it's hurt our home team. They know where that place is. I don't know. Some of us need to be more present. And I pray in Jesus' name that what we said in this series would cause us to make plans to help our home team. Because that's where it starts. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here and you say, Pastor, after hearing today's message, I just want you to pray for me because what you said made me think about my walk with God, my life with God. I've been, maybe I've not been present spiritually. God's been there for me, but I've not been there for him. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're saying, pray for me, Pastor, because I want to get my life going in the right direction. I want, God's been present for me, but I need to be present for him. I want you to simply raise your hand so I can pray for you. Say, pray for me, Pastor. I see one, I see two. Anybody else? Pray. I see you. Anybody else? I see you. I see you. Anybody else? I see your hand. Thank you. God bless you all. Father, I pray for those whose hands are lifted and those hands whose hearts are lifted. I pray for those who need to start a life with Jesus. Today is the day. I pray for those who are home watching feel the same way. May the hand of God be upon them. I thank you for your forgiveness and a chance to start again. Jesus died for this reason. And now I give you praise in Jesus' name. And everybody say, Amen. Amen. Did you enjoy today? Hope it helps. God bless you.